you're listening to Bunker Labs Presents, a crash course in venture capital with Paul K. Pond, managing partner of LunaCap Ventures. I'm Iron Mike Stedman, member of the Bunker Labs branding team and the executive producer of this series. In this third episode of the series, Paul discusses the pros and cons of venture debt, a form of debt financing for venture-backed companies that lack the assets or cash flow for traditional debt financing or that want greater flexibility. When utilized appropriately, venture debt can reduce dilution, extend a company's runway, or accelerate its growth with limited cost to the business. If utilized poorly or with unfavorable terms, venture debt can reduce a company's flexibility or become an obstacle to future equity raises. By the end of this episode, you'll understand the difference between venture capital and venture debt, the type of companies best suited for the venture debt model, and the right time to seek venture debt financing. Paul and I hope you enjoy this episode and that accelerates you on your entrepreneurial journey. You're listening to Barker Labs Presents, where we're sitting down and discussing venture capital with Paul Capon, managing director and founder of Luna Cap Ventures. On this, ser- on this episode, we're going to be talking about venture debt and the pros and cons of it. Great. No, thank, thanks, Mike. Um, I think, you know, once again, from our last episode, we talked about, we, we briefly just, you know, described what venture capital was. Um, and if you remember, it was the ice cream stand. You, you once you give up equity um, and you take on a check, you're going to give up quite a significant amount of equity and you might end up becoming an employee of your own company. Um, however, the benefits are is that you don't have to pay it back uh, until maybe even seven to 10 years down the road when you have the sale of a company. Uh, and then that, that's, that's actually very, you know, very beneficial for you. Um, however, so venture debt works a little differently. And this is what, you know, we at Lunicap Ventures focus on. Um, and so the way, let me, I'll start off by just explaining what, you know, what venture debt is, and then we'll go into, you know, some of the benefits, especially if you're an investor, you know, why this might be an attractive instrument. And then from a company standpoint, well, why would I want to do, why would I want to take on venture debt? Um, so venture debt, the way to think about it is it's, um, it's a, it's a traditional loan. Um, and so there's, if you think about a, a car loan, for example, or a personal loan, you take on, you might take on, you know, a hundred dollars and then there might be an interest associated with it. And you have to either pay that interest back only with the, you know, maybe, so if it's if it's a twelve percent interest on a hundred dollars, maybe every in the terms could be whatever it is, but you know on a monthly basis you still have to pay one dollar out over the course of the year, and then at the end you then have to owe back that hundred dollars, um, and so that would be you know one way. The other way is that it could amortize throughout the year. And that means that you're you're also paying some of the principal, so that you know instead of paying just the one dollar on month one, you might be paying. Um, seven or eight dollars out of the principal, so that by the time you get to twelve months down the road, you don't have a hundred dollars to pay, but you might only have three or four dollars to pay or nothing to pay. Um, so once again, the difference is is that you are paying every month. So you ha- your business needs to be able on a monthly basis to be able to pay back your 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 lenders. Um, and then additionally with venture debt, most folks, um, and a lot of, a lot of folks take on something that are warrants. Um, and basically like just to, to make this as simple and we want to keep it as high level as possible is that 
they be, they also because you are a startup and you have a high there is a high risk profile for any startup because you're early stage they need to be able to make sure that their returns are um in alignment with the risk so what they do is they ask for a little bit of equity the way this works is maybe instead of asking for um of, of the, the full 100% on their on the money they gave you they might ask for 10 to maybe 20%. So if we go back to the ice cream stand example from our last episode and we talk about the $100 and you were taking on $50 from a venture capital firm that $50 but you had to remember we had to give up 33% of the company for that. So that was pretty expensive. Now, if you went to a venture debt shop and said, hey, I would like to take on $50, what the venture debt shop might say is, is great, we're gonna lend to you $50 and we are gonna charge you 12%, 15% on that $50. And in addition, we also wanna take, instead of taking on 33% of your company, maybe we might ask for 5% of your company because we want a little bit of the upside. But so what you're doing is you is so in the scenario one with venture capital, you gave up 33%, which means you only own 66%. Now, if you take on venture debt, you have to pay the 12%, you have to pay 15% plus that $50. We have to get that back. However, you were able to retain quite a bit of equity since at the end of the day, you still own 95% of the company and the venture debt shop only owns 5% of the company. So you were able to retain almost a nearly 30% of your company if you're going from 66 to 95, so it's 29%, but that's a huge amount. And if you truly believe that your company is going to be that 100 million, that $200 million exit, that 29% should equate to a couple of millions and millions and millions of dollars. So that's an example of when venture debt really makes sense and the difference between venture capital and, and, and venture debt. Now, let's get back to kind of, you know, so I think once again, the two components on venture debt, number one, it's a car loan. And so you have to pay back on a monthly basis versus the venture capital where you, they didn't expect any money for seven to 10 years and you didn't have to pay anything back. Um, this one on a monthly basis, or it could be quarterly, depending on your, your negotiations with that, with that, uh, with that financial institution, um, you have to be able to pay and service the debt on a monthly basis. And then number two, you are going to give up a little bit of equity. Um, I think people say, well, you know, at 12, 10, 15%, is that normal? That seems extremely high. Uh, the one thing, you know, the biggest thing is, is that if you actually go out and, you know, I, I, you know, the SBA is a great program. However, what people don't realize is that a lot of these loans, so if you went into a bank, they require you to have been profitable for three years. They require you to have a very, very healthy balance sheet. They require a whole bunch of things. And then on top of that, they're also going to say, we'll lend to you. However, we also want something called a personal guarantee. And a personal guarantee is basically saying that if you default, they can go after your house, they can go after your stock, they can go after you personally to get and recoup that money um, versus venture debt, which might have, which doesn't have, many of them do not require a personal guarantee. Um, 
And when you go to the banks, you also have to be able to demonstrate that you that you actually have a house that's worth a million dollars, that you actually have a stock you know portfolio that's worth X amount. So if you were to borrow half a million dollars, you would need to have that in assets. Um, and even being profitable, many banks won't even touch you, especially after 2008. It's just so um, it, the restrictions. So if you, if you, I mean, if you can go, it's great, but to be honest, it's very, very hard to get a loan. Um, if you don't have the assets and many folks that are starting off and starting their companies may not have those assets to put up. Therefore, that's just not an option to them. Then if you look at, so then when we go back to the 10 to 15% interest, maybe 8% to 15, depending on how large the company is and what the size of the loan is, um, that's kind of what you're, that's the range that you'd be looking at plus the equity. Um, so now once again, you know, who would, you know, people would say, well, who would take this on? Like, why would I pay 12, 15% if I could just go out and get VC? Well, if you remember from, uh, once again, comparing this to the ice cream stand with the ice cream stand, you gave up 29% of your company, which is, a, which is a very, very large amount, um, and giving up 29% of your company, if you think down the road that you're going to sell at $100 million, you're going to sell at $50 million, that 29% should be much more valuable than 12% on the $50 that you're paying, less the, plus that 5% that you gave up in equity. Um, so that's one very important thing to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is when is venture debt versus venture capital when is venture debt preferred and when, when should I go after that? So if it's such a great instrument, then why do we need venture capital? Why would I, what, what's the point of venture capital? If venture debt's out there, it's less expensive. So why wouldn't I just go to you instead of the VC? Well, remember that with venture debt, you have to service that loan. And so you have to have a company that can, if you, once you take my money and you take it from a venture debt shop, you have to actually be able to put it to work basically have that cash flow be able to make the sale that the next month because if you take on one dollar from from me then hopefully within that month or two you should be able to to make back two to three dollars and then from that you should then be able to kind of pay back pay back the loan so a great example for when you would take on venture debt might be for um so if you have a company and you make widgets and there's so much demand for your widgets and you're going into the holiday season and you know that you have all of these orders that are coming in. Well, in order to purchase the raw materials, you have to pay your suppliers. Now, if let's just, so you, but you know that there's, that, you, that once you, once you buy them, you have somebody who's going to pay you a million dollars. So maybe let's just say Walmart says, Hey, I want a million dollars worth of your widgets. You look and you say, it's going to cost me half a million dollars to make those widgets, but I'm going to sell them within three to four months. I'm going to sell it for a million dollars. Then I, you have that half a million dollars that you're going to be able to retain. If you took on venture capital for that scenario, and let's just go back to the ice cream stand, you would give up a very big amount of your equity. But if you knew and you and you said, hey, there's actually this debt might actually be a better instrument for me. Why? Because I get to retain, I get to retain my equity. I know that I have a buyer who's going to buy a million dollars 
And so I'd rather keep my company. And I know that I can pay that venture debt shop back because once I sell to Walmart, I get that million dollars. I can pay them back and I can even use that capital to buy more inventory. And so that sets you up for growth. Um, and that is a really good example of when you might want to consider a venture debt shop. The example I always use is that if you're building the Ferrari, that's when you, and but you don't have, you, you're building the Ferrari, then that's when you go to venture capital. You don't have to pay them back. You can take your time, focus on the Ferrari, making sure that it's absolutely perfect, building all the bells and whistles. But then when you're ready to start driving and you need the gas, that's when you go after venture debt. And that gas, because you know immediately day one that you're going to be able to go out um, you're, then you're building in sales, you're bringing in sales, and you're really going to increase that top line. So venture debt should really be kind of focused around being able to increase that top line, whereas venture capital, and what I mean by top line is to really increase your sales, that you're going to get that probably within a couple months. Therefore, that's what's really important, and that's what the venture debt should be used for. Where the venture capital should be used for is really kind of building that company and focusing on the things that might have a longer building the product to be better but it might take a year for that product to then really have value for the customers but because you don't have to pay the venture capitalist back immediately that's why that's a good instrument so um so that's so i think that's the number that's number one the now the downside so i think there's that's kind of the value and the difference between venture capital and venture debt now, if we kind of look more into venture debt, some of the downside, and it depends what shops you go to, there are, there are things called covenants. Um, and many of them might say, hey, so now what we want to do is we need to be able to review your financials. So even though they save a lot of equity, they're really focused on getting their money back. And so a lot of, a lot of lenders have the ability to say, hey, on a financial basis, we need to make sure that you are um, maintaining your accounts receivable, your inventory and a cash balance. All of that needs to be two times whatever we lent you. Um, and that's to ensure that if things go sideways or things start slipping, they can call their loan, which means that then you have to be able to pay them back. So that's one thing. And these covenants are things that you would negotiate with them, but they are there. So they're like a lot of the term sheets, and the legal docs are very much in favor of the lender because they have a lot of rights. Um, secondly, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, I guess, in terms of building out your company, um, sometimes I would say that if you have, if you're, if you're taking on additional debt, um, or let's just say things, let's just say things go sideways, um, and you have taken on some debt. The ability for the lenders is that they can call the loan and then they can force you to sell out your your inventory. They will take over the receivables that you have. So that Walmart order, if things went sideways and you defaulted, many times that's called a first lien on your assets. So they have the ability to take that. Um, and so it can seem pretty scary. And additionally, with the debt, debt gets paid back first. So if the company goes sideways, a venture capitalist has to sit below the waterfall in terms of a payout. And what all that means is let's just, if the company goes sideways and we have to extract the value of the company and I took on $50 from a venture debt fund and I took on $50 from a venture capital fund and the total 
value of the company is $75 because everything went sideways, you, the venture debt fund gets its full $50 back. And then the venture capitalists are left with that $25. Um, and so that's another thing is that when you have venture debt, they're more concerned and their alignment is more about preserving their cash versus maybe the, the growth of the company, which is why it might actually be good to give up a, a little bit more equity to them so that because they want that back end, uh, they want that back end win, they're not just focused about getting their money back and then kind of squashing the company. And this is also just to make sure that the alignment is there. Um, so while it's a less dilutive, much less dilutive um, instrument, it does come with its covenants and it does come with a lot more chains and it does come kind of tied more around the financials. But in the right situation, it absolutely makes sense as long as you are um, prepared and that you have that right business model to be able to pay them back. Um, and then as long as you, know, you don't default and everything is, is great and you know that you can use this money wisely to really grow you that's when it's great because you then don't have to dilute yourself. Um, and I would say that, you know, a while, maybe five, six years ago, venture debt was still, uh, it was still kind of up and coming. Of course, Silicon Valley Bank had been around, but even they weren't going into early stage million, two million, three million dollar revenue companies. Um, they were still focused on companies that were much larger. Um, so a lot of people didn't realize that, that this was an avenue for them. Um, I think it's become a lot more, uh, I guess, a lot more accepted. Um, and there are a lot of derivatives out there as well. So if you were to talk about PayPal, um, you might see if you have a PayPal account, they say, hey, sign up and we're going to give you a loan. No questions asked. Um, circle up. There could be Shopify. So all of there, all these derivatives out there. The one thing that I would make sure about, and I think a lot of people get this wrong, is that they say, hey, we're going to take 10% of your sales each month um, until we're paid back. Um, but what people don't realize is that when you look at the amount that they're looking for, they're the effective interest rate. And so the effective interest rate is the interest that you're charged over the course of a year. So maybe a credit card might have a 29% effective interest rate. Um, and, you know, adventure debt fund would have a 10 to 15% effective interest rate. What you don't see is the fact that when you're taking 10% on the sales, or there might be, uh, funds out there that might have really high kind of like monitoring fees and, you know, uh, emailing fees, all sorts of fees out there. So when you actually add everything up, they, they, they could say, you know what, we'll give you $50 for your ice cream stand. We're only going to charge you 8%, but also in there, we're going to toss in a monitoring fee. We're going to toss closing origination fees. We're going to toss in uh, telephone fees and these fees. And at the end of the day, you're actually paying 15 to 20% versus that 8% that they kind of went out of the gates with you. And generally when you look at some of those revenue based models, it's generally a 20 to 30% effective interest rate. So just make sure to do the math when you're when you're looking at everything. Make sure to look at all of the fees, um, and that's the biggest thing. And then number two, when you're dealing with venture debt, is to really focus on the covenants. Um, having strict covenants isn't necessarily a bad thing. However, they you just want to make sure that you don't trip one, uh, and that you're will and that you're dealing with a venture debt fund that's willing to work with you because 
they, if they trip, if you trip it, then the venture debt fund is able to kind of go after all the assets up into the point that they're owed. And that could really kind of hurt, be a big side blow to, to the company. Uh, so I'll stop there. And hopefully that's kind of a, I just wanted to kind of say that, you know, it's the difference between venture capital and venture debt, the retention of equity versus um, paying back with like strict covenants. And there's a right time to do one versus the other. Paul, one thing I want to ask you is in your, as somebody that's in the venture debt world, venture capital world, what is it that you think makes a company like the business model? What type of companies tend to do better with venture debt versus venture capital? Because I know when I look at the portfolio companies within Luna Cap Venture, it seems like it's a, not as much tech companies. You know, I know everything's a tech company now, but in a sense of they have a, a good that they're shipping off to someone. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. So early stage companies, we we tend to focus on CPG, so e-commerce companies. So these are companies that are selling, um, you know, widgets uh, via, we have, they have retail locations, but mostly a lot of um, e-commerce. Um, and the reason that we like that is because they have a healthy balance sheet. They have receivables, they have inventory, they have cash. Um, and, but I, and, but I think as we grow and hopefully, you know, as we raise our next fund and as, 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 you know, our check sizes increase, you know, we're going to be looking at a lot more tech companies. And so it's those tech companies that might have some big B2B sales. So if they're going after IBM, if they're going after SAP, if they're going and there are these huge, um, opportunities for a B2B play for a tech company, that's also a great. Um, I think situation for taking on venture debt. The problem is, is generally these are tech companies, SaaS companies that are much further along. And so at half a million dollars right now, which is our check size, we just don't really bounce up against that. Um, I would say for most companies, if you have a healthy balance sheet um, and then you are looking to really, as I said, I think if you're looking and this money is going to be used to increase your sales and increase that top line revenue, um, and that's what the use of the money is for, and you automatically know that they, hey, at the end of the day, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to happen within a month or two or three, I would say one quarter at the most, um, then venture debt is something to look at. If you if this money is going to build out the technology, you still don't see that that's going to really increase your sales or really do anything for you until a year out. That's kind of when venture capital might be a little more attractive. Um, but that's kind of just a small, like a very quick litmus test. What is this money going to enable me to do? Is it helping my sales? Is it going to happen within the first quarter? If it is, then maybe venture debt is the right way. If not, then venture capital. I feel like our listeners out there are a lot more empowered since episode one of this series. You know, we've already, you know, in a short amount of time, we've gone over small businesses and difference between those and VCs. Uh, what is venture capital and the pros and cons? Venture debt, what are the pros and cons? And on the next episode, you know, you're going to share some insight into, you know, what do venture capitalists look at to make them invest in one company over the other? So uh, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I need everyone to do me a favor and be sure to subscribe to this series on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening platform you're using today. Also, we'd greatly appreciate if you shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from the information. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local newsletter, and attend one of our networking events, whether virtual or in person. It's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected at BunkerOnline.org, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. 
We have programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today at www.bunkeronline.org. See you on the next episode.